Hi, everyone. Welcome to Flock Talk. I'm Erin Morgan. And I'm Tom Lewis. And we work for the farmer members of the Ontario Sheep Farmers Organization. This week, we are discussing all things OSF with our very own member relations coordinator, Heather Johnson. Welcome, Heather, and thank you for joining us on Flock Talk. You've been in the role now for um, a couple of months, and many of our producers may have not had the chance to meet you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what interested you in the role with OSF? Uh, hi, Tom and Aaron. Yeah, I started with OSF at the end of October. It was baptism by fire with my first day working for OSF being at the AGM. That was good. It worked. I'm a really high energy person, so I feel like it was actually a pretty good start for me. I've been a sheep producer myself for a little over 12 years, and I'm very passionate about the industry. Like many other producers, I'm an ag dipper, and I worked for crop science for a little while on a grazing project. For a number of years, I really invested myself into several nonprofits in my community, working with boards, holding positions on boards, mostly ag and uh, parenting-oriented stuff. Over the course of the past year, my family farm began to shift. Um, my son took a bigger role in our operation, and we actually started finding ourselves a little bit overstaffed, if that's a thing on a farm. So I decided that right now would be a good time to draw on some of my other skill sets and continue to grow my career in ag. So I looked around for some more professional work, and OSF is what I found. I consider myself to be exceptionally fortunate to have found a role within the industry, which I'm so passionate about. Thanks, Heather. So you're a sheep farmer and uh, you used to live in the Muskoka region and now uh, you live in the New Liskert area. So why did you make the, new, the move north and what are the opportunities for sheep farmers up there? We were in the Muskoka area for 11 years and we ran a mixed direct market farm and we left behind a very good consumer base and opportunity for direct sales. However, we were really tapped out in terms of land base, walking sheep around the community to multiple properties we were leasing, livestock on three properties at the same time and in small numbers. Not really ideal. Our growth potential was really stifled. So we've been eyeing up land values and grazing opportunities and good availability of funded economic opportunities for business growth and development in the north for some time. My husband's paternal side is from Iroquois Falls, and they were farming sheep up in the Abitibi area about 100 years ago, maybe more, before there was a road, I think. And he wanted to return to those roots. So we've made a pretty solid five-year goal to relocate in January 2021. And magically, we were able to achieve that within six months. So I guess we were pretty motivated. Um, I'd say in terms of the opportunities for sheep producers in the north, there's a lot. The land is affordable for starters. Whether you want to build a confinement operation and grow forages and cereals, or if you want to graze, those are all possible. Uh, crops more so in my area on the clay belt. And there's lots of grazing possibilities all over the north. There's still new farmland being cleared and developed. I kind of have mixed feelings about that, but so long as they keep planting subdivisions on prime land in the south of the province, the north is able to offer up growth opportunities in the ag sector. So I guess it's a give and take. So there's land value, uh, the possibility that your sheep will actually service your farm debt. And then there's funding opportunities, primarily through the uh, Northern Ontario Heritage Fund. So you can apply to that for a sizable cost share, and it's not only for ag, it's all sorts of businesses access it. It's an economic development grant. So there's several streams, and each project is reviewed on its own merits. 
So it's not like putting in bluebird houses or interior fencing. This is big money. Um, the ceiling on some of their grants is a million dollars, which is at a 50% cost share. So that would be a $2 million project. Um, I know a lot of people who have accessed it for putting in tile drainage, for farm improvements, such as laneways, infrastructure, manure handling facilities, whole barn builds, dairy robotics, handling systems. I think you can access it more than one time. It could be two or three times. And they also allow you to stack it and combine it with grants from other sources. So we haven't accessed that grant yet ourselves, but we would like to, to improve our drainage at some point. Uh, SNAP grants is another one, Sustainable New Agri-Food Products and Productivity Program. It's for Northern Ontario agriculture and food producers, and they offer a number of streams for smaller, more accessible grants for business innovation and improvements. Most of that money is coming out of FEDNOR, which is the Federal Economic Development Agency for Northern Ontario. And I know what people are probably thinking, why is all our tax dollars going to the north? But for a minute, just think about the size of softwood lumber and mining industries, because there's also a lot of money coming out of the north. Quite literally, it's a gold mine. There's actually a gold mine just north of me. And we're fortunate that we're able to access some of those revenues. So if you're in the campus sheep producers who work off farm or you work off farm while you get your farm going, there's a lot of good job opportunities in the north for people who aren't afraid of work. There's a lot of people who make of money in mines. I keep meeting more and more people a little older than me that tell me they worked in the mines for five to 10, paid a lot down on their farms, and then they went full-time on their farms after that. I know farmers who work off farm in the ag sector as an equipment operator for larger cropping outfits or in dairy. We're in a dairy community and my son works part-time at a dairy as well. The dealerships are almost always looking for diesel mechanics. There's elevators, truck, haulage, everything you'd expect in a farm community. So I consider being able to find complementary work to farming and opportunity. And that's something we didn't see so much of where we lived previously. Sometimes people ask me what land value is per acre, and I'm not really sure because like anything, it depends on if it's tiled or how much slope it has, if it's flat or textured, things like that, and what sort of buildings are on the land. What I do know is that we bought what be, would be considered a medium-sized farm in the south of the province on good, fertile, flat land with significant farming infrastructure, a simple but huge uh, small ruminant barn, grain storage, and a nice home. And we couldn't have bought that in Southern Ontario. There's no way. I think it would have been three or four times the price and totally out of our reach. So all that being said, I truly wholeheartedly feel that there's tremendous potential for the future of Ontario's ag sector in the north of the province. So your first couple of months have been spent getting to know some of our uh, leaders in the OSF districts. What have you learned from uh, attending some of these early meetings? Well, um, for starters, each district has their own unique sort of flavor or theme. If District 1 was a flavor, it would most definitely be pie. Without question, I'm not really sure where the love of pie came from. I'm not questioning it because the pie is very good. Um, we have some excellent leadership across all of the districts, and we're very fortunate for that. We have some very driven leaders out there, and that's a good thing. The challenges that producers face in each district are unique in some ways, ranging from geographic size to flooding, drought, bylaw conflicts in the more populated areas, and the need to use the 400 series highways with farm vehicles are a challenge for the districts with those in their landscapes. Ontario is a big place, so there's definitely some differences. Some of the districts are more active than others, and that isn't necessarily dictated by the size of the membership. But in looking at the members themselves, 
I think that much of that might be related to friendships among the producers, which is really lovely. The activities that the districts are engaging in are also really broad. Uh, District 10 has their sheep expo in the spring. District 2 has an annual lamb banquet, which they invite the public to. District 11 has a few annually recurring local farm events, which they support. And District 1 has good access to Ridgetown College staff. It's kind of a ubiquitous theme of engagement going on as well. There's some leaders who are very motivated to try to get things moving in the districts that have been somewhat inactive for a little while. And as an organization, I believe to a certain extent we're suffering from what's referred to as post-COVID disengagement. Um, I believe it's not that the people don't want to engage. They do want to engage, but the way they prefer to engage might be more narrow than it previously was. Thanks, Heather. So um, our goal at OSF is to offer programming and events uh, that engage our members and encourage involvement with our district committees. So what are some of the initiatives you've seen planned at the district committee level that are really working well? Oh, everyone keeps talking about the District 2 Lamb Banquet. I have yet to attend, but I really look forward to checking it out. It's a bit of an undertaking at the committee level. However, they're using it to fundraise and that allows their committee to do more things through the year and to give back more to the larger sheep and ag industries in their community, such as by giving to 4-H local ag education. It gives more value to the membership. On a more structural and governance thread, I was invited to one district committee meeting where they were succession planning and having next year's treasurer follow this year's treasurer for mentorship which I think is a really great idea as it allows a smooth transition between the committee members and less struggle when it's time to change signing authorities and things like that. I see that some committees are larger than others with more roles, more small roles. I encourage any committee really to involve new members, either as a committee member with no official title or even to create smaller roles if some committees have done a social convener or a social media person. It's a way to let members kind of test the waters and see what some of the other roles do at the same time. Very interesting. So what are some of the opportunities to increase member engagement that you've uh, maybe thought of since uh, since joining the OSF team? Well, um, once I get the results from my survey back, I, I, uh, I might need to reevaluate that. And it might sound a little bit trite, but I have this feeling in talking with members and leaders both I feel like a lot of our members would basically like to go out for pizza or wings or even a coffee more often with other producers. Uh, it's not that the members don't like programming, speakers, seminars, workshops. They like all that too. They want to keep all that going. I just hear a lot of people telling me that they really like chatting about sheep, about their day-to-day -day farm stuff with other producers, and they'd like to do that more. And, and, and of course, that's really good for everyone's mental health, just to be able to network and share commonalities with people in conversation. And so I feel like doing a balance of both in the future could be key. We have the ability now to support some interesting types of meetings and include members who aren't able to attend in person by using Zoom and our meeting owl. So we did that at the District 8 MTO and OPP event. They didn't have internet access at their event location. So I brought along some devices which allowed them to do that. So this presents some good opportunities to open up the possibility of zooming out live speakers out on the field, in somebody's shop, doing an equipment presentation, locations where we don't ordinarily do those things. Really cool. And uh, you mentioned your upcoming uh, survey. Uh, how will it help you in your role? 
Yeah, um, for anyone that hasn't had the chance to complete it yet, I'd just like to remind you to do that because I really look forward to seeing the results of it. Because the USF organization belongs to all the producers equally, I feel like it's a really vital and key aspect to occasionally evaluate what members are after. When we know what members really want, we're better able to give that to them. So it's an engagement survey, essentially. I'd like to get a really good handle on the exact ways that members would like to engage and how often, what sort of programming events and services that they'd like to see more of or less of. Um, I'll be able to share those results with the district committees, and that should be able to help them really fine tune their goals and plan the type of activities that their local membership is after. I'll be able to support them in their events, their promotions for those events, and aid them in gathering resources, tech, ideas, topics, with the goal of strengthening their districts. Yeah, and the member feedback is going to be um, going to be very helpful and interesting. What are some of the key areas of focus for you in 2024 to support the OSF district committees? I look forward to continuing to get around to each district in person through the year. I've been out to a few districts in person for a couple events, which I brought some tech items along too. I was invited to tour one producer's farm, which was really nice. Uh, once snow stall season has passed, I look forward to doing more of the same. Something I really like about this job is the opportunity to build real life relationships with all sorts of members. It's not all just behind a desk. It's hard to serve members when you only know them formally and maybe even hard for members to approach when they only know the OSF staff formally. So I like that in-person aspect a lot. In terms of strengthening and improving communications for the members, I look forward to seeing more committees adopt our new standardized meeting template. We're still very early in using the form. However, there's so much promise in doing so in terms of giving an amplified voice to the members and helping our directors to communicate the ideas coming out of their districts in a smooth format. I've been putting together some little poster type promotions for the committee events, and I'm hoping that's really helped to grab the attention of their members. I've been setting up and hosting the Zoom meetings for district committees, both for their committee meetings and also for their events, which are conducted via Zoom. And idea banks, I just love this whole, hey, I've got an idea, but it's not pertinent at this moment sort of thing. Sometimes ideas are lost, uh, even if they're really great ideas. Everyone who knows me well knows that I come up with all kinds of ideas all the time. And, you know, 90% of them are usually not pertinent or feasible at that moment, or maybe never and maybe not applicable to me. But um, I think, Erin, you once used the term with me, died on the vine. Because there's lots of great ideas that people come up with, and I'm trying to capture them before they die on the vine. So we can save them for later in case anyone wants to pluck those ideas off the vine. I've been working on ways to capture those ideas, other people's ideas, my own ideas, everyone's ideas, ideas for district meetings, topics, speakers, events, those sorts of things, all those things. I look forward to my role evolving, learning more about the way that the members would like to be supported and offering up anything I'm able to do in that capacity. Thank you, Heather, for joining us today on uh, Flock Talk. Thank you for having me. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe through your podcast app to receive alerts to our future episodes, and please share our podcast with your friends. For more Ontario Sheep Farmers content, follow us on social media at Ontario Sheep Farmers on Instagram and Facebook and at Ontario Sheep on X, formerly Twitter, and visit our website at OntarioSheep.org. Hey, Tom, what have you been working on lately?
So, Aaron, one of the uh, one of the things OSF and myself have been working on the last couple of weeks has been conducting a review of the websites, both uh, OSF commodity website as well as the um, consumer website. The consumer website's a little bit more intricate because we run um, various applications or third-party um, apps on the website, such as Google Translate and a couple of others for the recipe search. This is done to ensure that the site is working and the updates are needed and to avoid any problems on the front end. This is now complete and ready to go for 2024. The OSF staff will be continuing to update new recipes with a focus on uh, ethnic as well as easy weeknight meals. While running the various updates, OSF staff also took the time to update some new recipes, which you'll find on the website lamb tacos, lamb shawarma, lamb meatloaf, as well as mince and tatties. There's also new sauces and marinades, as well as some new resource pages, such as uh, grilling, tips and techniques, pressure cooking times, as well as tips for smoking lamb. OSF will continue to be looking into this, as well as creating new recipes into 2024 and beyond, as well as uh, featuring our spring-summer barbecue campaign. Really cool. And I tried the Lamb Wellington over the holidays and it was amazing. And that website is lamberecipes.ca. 